0: Right, uh, thank you, Kevin, and uh, a big thank you to uh, Michelle and the team. I know what a huge job it is to put an event like this together, and here are the two books, Uh, and they're available in the foyer. We're here till Thursday. And it's really good to be here on the campus of UC because I did my degree here in about 1927, I think it was. (laughs) And, and one of the uh, units that, that I studied was why systems fail. And of all times right now, I can see the increasing relevance of that. and. I can't help but stop thinking about this. In fact, few other things really uh, seem nearly as, as important as the future of our civilization. So as Mark and I wrote this book, The Path to a Sustainable civilization. So the first question is, uh, what system are we talking about? Well, it could be any system in this conversation, but I'm particularly interested in this one. There we go. That's a thing called the Earth system. Now it's a very busy diagram, so don't worry about trying to uh, pull it apart. But this is from the field of Earth system science, which is a relatively new field in science. And Will Stefan, you would say to me, we use the word system, single, not systems. So what it does is it pulls all the parts of the planetary system into one cohesive whole. And as you can imagine, that's incredibly complicated. And, uh, and in fact, I can recall because I, before I did media, I was an IT person, I used to write computer code. And uh, I'd write a few lines and it didn't always work and sometimes it did work, and sometimes I didn't really understand. So that's a really tiny system, a really small microcosm, and compare the scale of what I was doing there with what is going on in here. This is so big, we really don't, we can never really understand how it behaves. But you notice on the right-hand side here we've got these are the human elements, and these have become so profound, so deep in the functioning of our planet that we have tipped the planet into entirely new geological epoch called the Anthropocene, and we have almost certainly averted the next ice age and po- quite possibly the one, <laughs> the one after that. Not in our lifetime. <laughs> Life ice age is probably just. Not on my well, but that's that's how that's how profound the impact of our presence on this planet. And you've probably seen statistics that show the mass of all humans and all domestic mammals is something like ninety something percent, and all the wild, herds of wildebeests and all the other wild animals uh, less than that. So we have co-opted the systems of the planet for our own purposes. So this, this might look like a, bo- a bunch of boxes on a diagram, uh, but this is our home, this is our planet, this is our future. And what does our future look like right now? It looks like this. Uh, in fact, it's not just our future, it's here today. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the planetary boundaries concept, uh, Will Stefan and other people, and this diagram we used in our book, uh, the, uh, the first book we did, which was uh, I don't have here, sustainability and the new economics, costs 263 bucks, so you can't just go down the corner shop and buy it, but you can, you can read a lot of it in here. All right, so these things represent the vital signs for the natural systems of the planet. And we have violated the boundaries. We have exceeded the safe operating limit of six of those boundaries. So if you went to the doctor and your doctor said, your heart function is poor, your blood sugar is high, your salt is way over the top, your kidneys aren't working properly, If your uh, body functions looked a bit like this diagram, you'd be heading towards the hospital. That's how serious things are right now. Now, I'm not gonna go into any more detail on this, but the question is, why does this diagram look like this? And I notice in the foyer, the uh, city-state people have this on the wall, and this represents a bunch of parameters for what's been happening to our planet in about the last 100 years. This is called the great acceleration. All of these lines going up, 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 up. Now any system, uh, you just take a bunch of parameters and you push them endlessly in one direction, Uh, that is not a stable system. That is a system that is headed for disaster. And people who I talk to in the field of sustainability, and I really hate to say this, the view is becoming quite common that we, in business as usual, we are heading towards collapse. It's that serious, and we're reluctant to say it because you've got to give people hope. You've got to give people hope, and but if you went to the cancer ward, uh, to the doctor, and you were told that you have cancer, would you want the doctor to say, actually, you know, you'll be fine, but everything's not fine. And so I want to talk more about why our system is becoming destabilised. And that's a very negative way to put it. But if you want to flip it to the positive way, it also tells you about how, what we can do to tackle that. And this conference is a great opportunity for that. Now matching all these things going up, Uh, On the top side, you've got all these things going down. Biodiversity, habitat loss, uh, we are mining our soils to produce enough food for a rapidly growing population. Uh, The climate is in real trouble. I've seen news reports of the West Antarctic ice sheet is becoming destabilised. The Gulf Stream current that brings warm air up to Western Europe. uh, There are signs that that might fail in the order of something like 20 years. Now I I actually, I have a granddaughter now and she was born a few months ago and I think what's the world going to look like? If she lives to 100, what is the world going to look like? That is not a stable system. All right. So now I want to contrast what we do to natural systems. And in fact, you could you could think that the civilization we have is really like a, a body. It is a giant super organism, and the theory of uh, Margulis and. Uh, Lovelock, the guy, the hypothesis says the earth itself is a, is a regulating system. But this bee, I like my photo there by the way, uh, regulates its own body moisture, the flower, uh, the same thing, its energy and how it spends its time. If you're going to run a system that is stable, you need a way to regulate it. Now this goes back to the study that I did, and this is really one I want to focus in because you already know about climate change and environment impacts and so on. Our unit, our study, looks specifically at human systems, failures of control, which is why I mentioned the B. The Challenger 1986, Mount Erebus, there's Air New Zealand crash, uh, into the side of Mount Everest, 1979, Westgate Bridge, 1970. All of these stories have something in common, and I'm going to tell you a bit more in detail about that now. So, the Challenger, as you know, you probably know, it had a faulty O-ring between some of the fuel uh, tanks on it. It leaked, a, a jet came out, and the thing exploded. Seven astronauts were killed, and. The great physicist Richard Feynman was one of the commissioners of investigation into this report, and he found that the engineers on the ground floor knew there was a problem with this Challenger, with the space shuttle, and they had an estimate of the expected time between serious failure of one in a few flights, because that's really high-risk stuff but the higher up in management you went, the rosier things became, until the top level of management, they said the expected time to failure was something in order of years, crazy. Now when have you heard of something like that in our society recently, in our news or in our politics? Here's another one, Mount Erebus. Uh, they, uh, Air New Zealand ran tourist flights, sightseeing flights up to or down to the Antarctic, and there was a flight plan error of a one and a half degrees or thereabouts, and instead of taking them over the mountain, they went up McMurdo Sound and the air crew got used to dropping the altitude and they flew up the sound to give all the passengers, all the paying passengers, a really nice view of uh, the uh, glacier, fantastic stuff. But then someone back in Flight Central went, oh, there's an error, and they changed it. And back in 1979, these things came on a floppy disk handed them to the flight crew, didn't mention anything. And if you read the flight transcript, it's quite horrifying because then you you can see them saying, oh, that island is over there. I thought it was meant to be over there. And then they're in whiteout conditions and they flew into the side of the mountain and 257 passengers and crew were killed. That's a failure of management. Uh, Westgate Bridge, same similar story all over again. There was a design flaw in the construction and you can see here they've got these big spans. That's a 110-metre long span. The joins were buckling, right? And so the engineers, they came up with these uh, quick solutions and higher up the management you went, the worst things got. Uh, sorry, the better things got. So a friend of mine, I work colleague used to say, kiss upwards and kick downwards. And they were completely detached from the reality of that situation. Now, I'm really flying through this because uh, I've got 15 minutes and this is really a whole semester or a whole year-long course. Now, this guy, Joseph Tainter, uh, came up with this hypothesis that civilizations fail because they can't manage their own complexity, right? And just think of the complexity of our society now. Every day it's going up, 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 and up. And we recently had AI burst onto the scene. We don't even know how we're going to manage it. Uh, growing population means all the control systems, uh, traffic, health, education, all have to be managed. But contrast that with this couple. LAUGHTER Neoliberalism. neoliberalism, the, try saying that after a beer. I won't. Uh, small government and big business. That the, the government's got to take its hand off and let the markets decide. Well, how you, can you contrast that with the growing complexity? And I could talk about the effects, the social uh, and environmental effects of doing that. We cannot afford to take our hands off the steering wheel. And I don't like government intrusion. I don't like bureaucracy. Yes, I live in Canberra, but it's not my fault. <laughs> but we, we, we can't escape it. That's why we have traffic lights. When the road gets busy enough, you need a traffic light. All right, here's another one, another cause for collapse. Our economy, this a whole semester again, tuned for efficiency. And there's a thing called Kanban manufacturing, just in time. And when this earthquake knocked the guts out of Kobe in 1995, there was no fat in the system because they trimmed everything to the last degree, right? Uh, And there was the the earthquake and, of course, they had no supply. And whole industries just ground to a halt. And you think about other courses of supply chain disruption, COVID, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The long supply chain to Australia through the, uh, the the seas to the north of us, we are vulnerable, and the whole planet is vulnerable, especially with the degree of interconnection, globalization. How am I going for time? Two minutes. All right. Other civilisations in the past have failed. Uh, the Maya civilization somewhere in the range of 750 to 800 AD, whether they actually collapsed or not is, uh, is arguable because they did continue in some form, but they over their environment. They over the environment, they could not run their economy, they could not feed their people, and in the next hour we're gonna have something like 11,000 additional people on the planet. 11,000 births over deaths, and in the next hour, another 11,000. How are we gonna keep doing that with agricultural productivity, climate change, water? Look what's happening to the Murray-Darling Basin. That's it for me, but uh, a quick plug for the three books. You've seen these two, and the, uh, that one there is the one that's $263. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm now right on time, am I, you're Kevin? Up. Yes, you're Thank you very, very Thank you very much. Thank you very much.